0: I invite you to keep your hymnals available as if you look at the order of worship, we'll be coming back to it frequently, and rather than putting it away and taking it out, if you just keep it on your lap. We read uh, God's word as it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, the first seven verses. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling claws, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Continuing on in Luke chapter 2, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So Luke 2, beginning to read at verse 15 through verse 20. Let us hear God's breathed out word to us this evening. When the angels went away from them into heaven... and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them but Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them as far the reading of God's word as we consider this passage that the Lord, by the work of His Spirit, has given to us to consider. A passage that we consider often during this season of the year. In fact, it is the only actual account in all of Scripture of the actual birth events of Jesus. This one chapter tells us of this amazing event that we have been looking at in the prophet Isaiah, that we still have yet one more thing next Lord's Day, the Lord willing to unpack from Isaiah chapter 9. And yet in this chapter, God so clearly presents to us the events of that which transpired regarding the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ want to look at two things this evening, and, and they focus on the shepherds in this account tonight. First of all, the message that was given to the shepherds, and then secondly, the actions that we see the shepherds take. The message that is given to these shepherds by the angel, messenger, really fall into two parts. First, he tells them good news. Good news that he says they have no reason to fear. It's interesting that just before the angel speaks, Luke records for us the fact that these men, these shepherds, were filled with great fear. And then the very first thing that the angel messenger tells them is, Fear not. Now, why are they filled with fear? What is it that has caused them to do so? Well, one would be the sudden appearance of this particular angel. This particular angel has come from the very presence of God, the holiness with which he comes. We know, for example, out of the Old Testament that Moses only saw a portion of the Lord, and yet his face glowed with such a brilliance that the people of Israel asked him to wear a veil. What must an angel that comes from the very presence of God with a message from God himself appear like to mortal men? With what splendor, with what glory this angel must have come? So that not only because of the quickness and the surprise, but the means and the appearance. But there is perhaps another reason for these men to fear. We are told later on that there was a heavenly host praising God and saying. And that word has a very special use throughout Scripture. When the Scriptures speak of a heavenly host, it describes an army. Soldier-like men. So perhaps the appearance of this angel, rather than, as I have mentioned before, with flowing locks of some sort, appears more as the captain of an army. One who is about to engage in great warfare. One who is indeed to be feared. If you remember back to our series on angels, and the fact that uh, you know, their appearance can, can come in many forms to mankind, and given the fact that we are told of a heavenly host, one sees then here a military commander who is coming to make this announcement, and these men are indeed in great fear. And so the first message must be, no fear. Do not fear. You have no reason to fear. Here's why. Here's why. The reason you have no reason to fear is that a Savior has been born to you. You are in fear because of holiness. You are in fear because of the majesty and the presence and because of a message from God himself. To sinful men, This certainly would be a reason of fear. Perhaps he is coming in judgment. Perhaps he is coming as some sort of executioner. But no, he is coming to announce the fact that these men have a Savior. Verse 11. But the announcement is this. The Savior is born. For to you is born this day in the city of David. A savior. He has come. He has entered into this world. The one who is going to save you. Is here. No longer some prophecy about. That may take place hundreds or thousands of years in advance. No longer a message. That says. Now. Now. But not yet. You're going to have to wait just a little bit longer. Now, to these men comes the message, the Savior is here. He's come. Think of the, the line in one of the hymns we have sung already tonight, that there the, the word is already silently pleading for the souls of men. See, we don't often think of that, do we? We perhaps think, well, maybe at 30, he began to think about being the Savior. But you know, even at age 12, do you not know that I must be about my Father's business? And what is the Father's business? To save us. This is never outside of the mind of Christ. There. The silent word is pleading for sinful men. Good news. I've got good news. The Savior is here. This Savior, also the angel announces, is Christ the Lord. This is the anointed Messiah. This is the one that you have been longing for. This is the one... Who is truly in charge. This is the one who is the Lord. The one who is indeed the sovereign. The one who rules me as the messenger. The one who is, we could say, is going to rule the heavenly host. The one who is sovereign over all things. The one who wears the label Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The anointed one. The Messiah is here, something for that which Jews had longed for. And in the midst of the silence of some 400 years, now, he's here. No reason to fear. Your Savior has come. I said the message that the angel brings is divided into two parts. First, there is this good news. But then secondly, there are directions. This will be the sign to you, verse 12. And what is the sign? The sign is divided into two parts. The sign will be this. You will find this one who is your Savior. You will find this one who is Christ the Lord. You will find this one who gives you the reason not to fear. You will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths. And you will find him in a manger. And suddenly there is with this angel, so we're told in verse 13... A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Directions. Two can't miss it directions. You'll find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth. You'll find him And depending on how we translate the word manger, you'll find him either in a feeding trough or you'll find him in a stall, a place of bedding. Let me ask you a question. This angel has been crystal clear. He is a messenger from God. He has told them very clearly, no reason to fear. Why? You have a Savior, a Savior who has been born, very clear. He is Christ the Lord. And now, the angel decides to play wise guy. Now, let me just make this a puzzle for you, men. I know I told you a very clear announcement. Now let me make this a puzzle. Now what I want you to do is, I'm not going to give you any clear directions. I'm not going to make this simple. I'm not going to make this direct. I I want you to to go on a search. So I'm just going to give you two little itty-bitty clues. Find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and find a baby lying in a manger and there's your solution. Now, Now go. Do some searching. Go do some looking. Even though I have been clear, now I'm kind of going to be evasive. Now I'm going to be not so clear. I want to see how long it takes you to find this child. I'm going to see how many houses you knock on. How many people are you going to wake up in the middle of the night, say, hey, do do you have a baby baby? Somewhere around here that's wrapped in strips of cloth, that's somewhere lying in a stall or in a feeding trough. Do you have a child? No, you don't? Okay, sorry, I woke you. Let's knock on the next door. Here we are in the middle of the night, knocking on doors, rousing people. When you say, well, no, no, they just had to go to the inn. Well, the inn is not Motel 6. The inn is just a man's home that he rents out rooms in. Or a room. Like many people would do in that day and age. There aren't any Hyatt Regencies. There isn't any booking that has to be done. This inn is no different than any of the other dwellings that are there in Bethlehem. Besides. Angel never told them anything about the inn. Angel doesn't say, oh, and by the way, a little clue. is to make it a little bit easier, go to one of the inns in town. None of that is there. I would submit to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that this is not a mystery. That the angel has not somehow ceased being crystal clear to these men. But he is giving them such clear direction. These men know where to go. Because you see, the word of God never seeks to make things a mystery. And the message of God is never complicated. And it's never left somehow for us to figure out and piece together. God always comes with full disclosure. Secondly then, let's look at the actions of the shepherds. I've highlighted five things that The passage indicates to us that the shepherds did. And it starts in that verse 15. It begins with this. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The first thing that these shepherds do is they make a decision. It's interesting that God didn't just say, oh, you're out in the field. Let me transport you. Let me just move you. And I'll put you right at the place of birth. It's interesting when we begin to unpack next Lord's Day in Matthew chapter 2. That these magi don't just see the star. And God says, Okay, let me spare you the journey, and I'll just move you from wherever you are there in the east, and I'll just bring you to Bethlehem, and let's forego all this other stuff. Now, the picture we have of the Lord is the picture of one who comes in his grace. He makes his appearance, and then what does Jesus say? I will draw all men to myself. I'll draw them. But he doesn't force them. These shepherds still had a human responsibility. What are we going to do with this message we've just heard? What are we going to do? Sit here in the field? We can keep watch over our flocks all night long. Or should we go to Bethlehem and see this thing? Verse 15 tells us they made a decision, a good decision, a right decision. It is never a wrong decision to go to Jesus. It is never a wrong thing that when Jesus is drawing us to come, And that's what these men do. They decide. We're going to go see this thing that has happened. It's interesting, isn't it, that the shepherds don't say, let's go and see if this thing has happened. Let's go and check out whether this angel has told us the truth or not. Let's go see for ourselves if we can evaluate by our human reasoning whether or not this makes sense. Listen to the words that the Lord says that they spoke. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing... That has happened. See faith? See their faith? They believe. And because they believe, they come. They come to Christ. They don't know his name is Jesus yet. All they know is that the Christ has been born. The Messiah, the anointed one. Let's go see what has happened that the Lord has told us. There is no doubt. This is the reason why he appeared to the shepherd. these are men of faith they hear the word of the Lord and they believe and because they believe they act what is the next thing they do? verse 16 and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger they found him Now, let's go back over the events of this story. They found him because the angel told them that Jesus was in a barn. You don't find the word barn anywhere in Luke chapter 2. Okay, They found him because Jesus was in a stable. No, don't find the word stable anywhere in Luke chapter 2. They found him because the angel said he'll be with the ox and the ass. No, angel, no, there's nothing even in the account. Nothing even in verses 1 through 7. No mention of any animals. How did they find him? Because the angel told them where He was going to be found. Now you see the wise men. Or the magi who come from the east. Need a little bit more of a clue. When they arrive in Jerusalem. The question is. What city? Oh that's easy to be answered. Micah 5 verse 2. But you Bethlehem Ephrathah. Though you are least amongst the tribes of Judah. There. Oh okay Bethlehem. These men already know it's Bethlehem because the angel told them. But they go to the exact place of birth. Do you know why? Because the same prophet told them. The same prophet told them exactly where Jesus was to be born. Take your scriptures. Go back to the book of Micah. Book of Micah, chapter 4. In this section, starting at verse 6, Micah is prophesying about the fact that the Lord is going to come and rescue his people. Verse 8 tells them where. The one who is going to rescue them where the Messiah, where the Christ, where the Deliverer was to be born. And you, verse 8, Micah 4. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. To you shall it come. Who? Who is the, to you shall it come. Salvation is going to come at the tower of the flock. Where? In Bethlehem. Micah 5 verse 2. There's an old Scottish minister. A man by the name of Alfred Eldersheim. Was born and raised Jewish. That's why the strangeness perhaps of his name amongst us, but he came to faith, the Christian faith, under a Scottish Presbyterian chaplain by the name of John Duncan. He was educated in Edinburgh and became a ordained pastor. He took his knowledge that he had learned in Judaism, and he took the life of Christ in terms of the gospel accounts. And he wrote a book entitled, Jesus the Messiah. Eldersheim tells us that this passage from Micah chapter 4 verse 8 is key. And the reason it's key is as follows. The Tower of the Flock is a reference to a place where birthing ewes brought forth lambs. That's the Tower of the Flock. Because, you see, the flocks that are raised around Bethlehem are temple flocks. They are about four or five miles from Jerusalem with easy access for temple sacrifice. So the flocks that are placed around Bethlehem are there in order for easy access for all of the celebrations that take place in Jerusalem. Jerusalem yet are in a place... Remember, Jerusalem's built on a hill, so this is not the best of locations for sheep grazing and so on. So they decided that would be near Bethlehem. The flocks that these men in Luke chapter 2 are overseeing are flocks that are meant to be used for temple sacrifice. The Jews were very particular... About the birthing of lambs. Because there are all sorts of Old Testament requirements about those lambs. Those lambs have to be without spot and without blemish. In other words, there cannot be any cuts. There cannot be any nicks. There cannot be any broken bones. There cannot be any scars upon those lambs. According to what is written in the past, which Eldersheim, as a former Jew, had access to and was knowledgeable about, this birthing center was a place that was kept very clean. This is not a place where there's manure piled up in every corner. This is not the the stanchions that you think of behind the horse or behind the cow in our modern day barns and facilities. This was a place that was kept pristine, clean because what is born there are lambs that are to be used for temple sacrifice. Lambs That had to be guarded. Lambs that needed to protect it. Lambs that needed to be watched. So careful were the shepherds. That they would take after a lamb is born. To prevent it from falling over and injuring itself. Which would then say you can't be used for the temple flocks. You can't be used for temple sacrifice. It's got a cut on its side. That the shepherds, fully aware of all that would transpire here and what was necessary for the payment in their back pocket, would take strips of cloth and wrap it around the little lambs, around their bodies, around their legs, around their necks, so that if they were happened to fall, They would not be injured. You say, Well, we got a barn floor. No. Because the tower of the flock references a place called Mikdal Adar. It's mentioned to us in Genesis chapter 35, 19. It is a cutout in the rocks. So the birthing center. For the ewes that they would go to was a place that was clean. It was a place that was furnished with all of these strips of cloth. Was a place that was carved out of the rock. And that shepherds who took care of temple flocks would know exactly. When an angel says to them, you will find the babe wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a stall. They know exactly where to go. Because is not Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away The sin of the world. Where would you expect. The lamb of God. To be born. Where would you expect the lamb of God. Who is destined for temple sacrifice. To be born. Where would you expect the one that is holy and pure. And without sin. To be born but in the very place where all the lambs of God are born. In Migdal Adar. Let us go and see this thing that the Lord has said. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Thirdly, verse 17. Continuing back in Luke chapter 2. They told. They told. They went and told. Everybody they found, they told. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They didn't keep this quiet. They didn't keep this to themselves. This was great news. Christ, the Savior, the Lamb of God has been born. And they returned. (laughs) They went back to work. They went back to their responsibilities. They went back to their job. They went back to their task. And then we are told that they glorified and praised God. See how this section ends? The shepherds returned. Glorified praising God. Why? Well, the passage tells us, for all they had heard and seen. Oh, but then it adds this. It isn't just because they had heard something. It isn't because they had seen something. It's because it's what they had been told. It's because it was what God had said. They believed the message. They saw, they heard. The message was confirmed. There was a baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling claws. And they glorified God because it happened, it occurred. They praised God because they saw it. It was as they had been told. My friends, is that where you're at tonight? Are you glorifying and praising God this evening? This time, this season of your life? Because it is as You have been told. Your Savior, Christ, the Lord, has been born. And they returned glorifying, praising God as they had been told. Let's pick up that theme once again and pick up our songbooks. 215, 215, I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll sing just the first verse of this, 215, how great our joy. Born, so he did say, in Bethlehem a child today. There shall the child lie in a stall, this child who shall redeem us all. Verse 4. number 195 verses 1 and 2. 195, 1 and 2. first three stanzas. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go in his name and live as his testifying people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our doxology 214, an invitation for all of us to come to Bethlehem and see. And then to respond with our glory in excelsis Deo. The third verse, 214.